0: Welcome to the Inkfeather podcast, which explores the worlds of sci-fi and fantasy books through those who bring them to life. Every week, I chat with authors and industry pros about their books, including new releases and old favorites. I'm Lauren Zurchin from the Inkfeather Collective, and this is episode 50, where I chat with author Ellie Cipher. Hi, everybody. I am excited to talk about this book, The Girl from Shadow Spring, which is out February 9th. 2021. Uh, I was really excited to have Ellie on the podcast. She actually contacted me because she's a fan, which is very cool, and was uh, excited to tell me about her debut, which is kind of being pitched as True Grit meets The Revenant with a magical twist. Um, It's been a really fun book to read. It felt like a bit of a palate cleanser from traditional fantasy because it has this kind of gritty feel to it. Um, It also takes place in an icy world. And so uh, it was a perfect winter read. Uh, And Ellie was really a delight to chat with because she's led a very interesting life. So we talk a little bit about her history, but we also talk about what it was like to make the world almost like a character. Her two main characters, uh, how they're kind of a dichotomy, and yet they're the same, and what it was like developing them. About you know, the overlying messages of Sisterhood and Hope. Don't mind the budgies. (laughs) I say that every week, but seriously, I think I'm going to be fine. And then they chat away. Anyways, um, uh, we also talk about really great books that she's read recently. So there's really a lot of great discussion in this episode, especially in regards to craft and creating uh, stories. So this is a really good one if that's something you're interested in. It's also a great one if you're really excited about like non-traditional books that have a with magical vibes. This was a really uh, great read that fits in that category, I'd say. Before we go on, I just want to remind you guys that we have a Patreon. It is Ink Feather Books. Uh, you can check it out there and support the podcast. You can also spread the word. Um, we also have things in our shop on the Ink Feather Collective. There is my fantasy coloring book, which is um, where I took 20 artists from around the world and had them illustrate my fantasy photography. It's been a really fun thing to have during this pandemic because. Uh, I don't know about you, but it's been stressful and depressing. And there's something very, you know, anxiety reducing in coloring. And so it's actually helped me when I've been closed up inside. And I still have some physical copies available. And I also have it in digital form. Uh, For those of you maybe international who don't want to pay an exorbitant amount for shipping uh, or in the States, if you want to, you know, print it out, because once you have digital, you can make it multiple times, which is cool. I also want to remind you about the Etsy shop that I have, Ink Feather Shop. It is, <laughs> it is basically where I have all of my signed author swag from the calendars I photographed a few years ago with all the fantasy authors. So I'm running low on a few authors. I think I just sold out of my last Brandon Sanderson print, but I still have some Patrick Rothfuss, and then we still have a ton of other people. I have Christopher Paulini. We have like Cami Garcia, Margaret Stoll, uh, Melissa De La Cruz, Lee Bardugo, Mm -hmm. uh, Maggie Stiefvater. We have, I mean, there's so many of you, Gregory Maguire. Uh, I think I still have some Jim Butcher in there. So there's a lot of really cool fantasy authors there. Um, So if you want to get a good present or uh, for yourself or someone else, there's really fun signed, authentically signed by the authors in the Etsy store. And I just want to say thank you for supporting the podcast, for listening. If you're a fan and you haven't, I would love it if you maybe want to go over to iTunes and give us a five star rating. I'm trying to boost my ratings over there uh, just to help get our visibility up a bit more because i've been around for three years and it's something that gets great listens but not a ton on itunes surprisingly so i want to kind of boost us there if possible so yeah if that's where you listen and you're a fan i would love it if you would just quickly leave a five-star review just to help us get a little more visibility okay so now that i've got all that out of the way it is time for the interview with ellie i hope you enjoy Hi, Ellie. Welcome to the Inkfeather
1: podcast. Hi. Great. It's great to be here, Lauren.
0: I am stoked to have you. We are here to talk about your upcoming book, uh, The Girl from Shadow Springs, which is out February 9th. So in a couple of weeks, you've got to be excited.
1: Yeah, super excited. I think a little bit more nervous than excited since it's uh, the first book out there in the world. So (laughs) all all bets are off, I think.
0: Well, it's... Really, a great book. I've been thoroughly enjoying reading it. And, you know, when you reached out to me to tell me about it, when you, it's like The Revenant meets True Grit with a little bit of magic, I was like, this sounds rad. And I have not been disappointed. I have been it is very easy to read it's been really kind of captivating and like compelling with like the story just keeps moving forward really fast the characters are great the world is interesting so it's been it's been a joy to read and I'm I'm sure people are going to just like love this book so I really would love to kind of dig into it a little bit and just kind of hear a little bit of your publishing story but before we kind of get more detailed into the the Bits of the book. Do you have like an elevator pitch besides the sentence I just said? Like, can you tell listeners maybe a little bit about what the story's about?
1: Yeah, sure. Well, first, thank you. That's Thank you for saying all those wonderful things. <laughs> I mean, it's the
0: truth. I seriously, like I was telling her earlier, I wasn't able to get all of the book read before the interview, which I do try to do, but I'm not 100 percent done. But I ha- I was like almost bummed I had to stop. Like literally, I was like shoving food in my mouth before this interview while I was like reading it on my phone because I had to get a couple more pages in just before because it's such a, I, it's, I, I will be finishing it probably today after we hang up like it's that good.
1: So. Yay. <laughs> Thank you. So yeah, so Simon Schuster pitches it as True Grit Meets the Revenant with a magical twist. Mm-hmm. I like to think of it as my book of vengeance, sisterhood, and hope. So it's all about magical murders in an icy world, like an icy western frontier. So mm-hmm. I think of True Grit Meets the Snow Queen as sort of my, my what I've always thought of it in my head. Mm.
0: That's a good blending, I would say, and the feel is very. Yeah, it's funny for something you think of the West, you think of like the desert and like you know tumbleweeds, but like it it, it still has that feel because it is that barrenness, even though it's ice instead of desert.
1: Yeah, Alaska is definitely a Western frontier. <clears throat> Absolutely.
0: So, yeah, yeah. Totally.
1: I think of it. It's we're we're pitching it as a fantasy Western, which is very fair but i really think of it as like a western fairy tale yeah so it's got that it's got the internal logic of fairy tales rather than what you would think about classic magical systems with fantasy yeah
0: it's like it's it's got bits like you said it's got bits of magic mixed in but it's not mm-hmm. the prevailing theme of the story like you said the other story it's really is i mean character driven heavily but the world is like, as its own character really
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I definitely, that was definitely intentional. I wanted the character, the world basically to shape everybody.
0: Yeah, Um, it's very cool. So I kind of want to... I guess, tell us like your publishing journey. Cause you, when you sent me your email, so basically for those of you listening, she she reached out to me and was like, I listened to the podcast. I have this book coming out. I think it's up your alley. She was totally right. I'm glad she reached out. But she was like, here's my background. And it's super fascinating. I just made some notes. Like you're a vet, you're an equine surgeon. You've lived and worked all over the world. You said in the UK, in New Zealand, Tasmania, like, so you have this whole other crazy, cool, interesting life. And now you're like, and here's my book. I'm also been doing that too. So like- I guess take us through wanting to write and then also kind of into how this book has come into existence. Like maybe, you know, I don't want to say like where you got your ideas or where you got your agent, but just kind of your journey of publishing.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, no, I, it's, it's kind of a, I feel like, I feel like a lot of writers come to writing sort of their whole lives, but never think they can be writers. Does that make sense? So absolutely. I, Like I've been writing forever, but I never really thought of, you know, I was good at science and that's what I was good at. And we never really thought of creative pursuits as something that you could rely on to be a career. So it would always be sort of the something done on the side just for me.
0: (laughs) I'm just (laughs) laughing because I'm like. That is like the one of the intrinsically and wrong intrinsically wrong things in our society. I think is like because I'm a professional creative, and yeah, it's hard. But it's like that's half the struggle for me is fighting against the stereotype of like, well, that's not a real job, or that's not, or or whatever. It's like you or you don't think that that is something you can do, where it, it you have to almost like reprogram yourself. So I totally get what you're saying.
1: Yeah. So I think so. The first time I actually sat down to write a novel. Was probably in just the end of undergrad, so I've been writing, you know, pick up, put down, pick up, put down, short stories, all that stuff, creative writing, but it was the first time that I actually sat down with the intention to write a full-length novel. Never going to see the light of day. <laughs> that <laughs> that that one, no. So there was no intention to get published either. I just was just I just had decided to start writing, um, and then it became a habit. So I wrote all through my bachelor's. Well, I wrote all through my veterinary degree. So, vet, vet school is four years. And then I did two surgical internships. And then I did a medicine, internal medicine fellowship, and then three years of a surgical residency. Oh my so, gosh.
0: <laughs> my gosh, talk <laughs> about like trusting people with your pets. That is a lot of schooling, a very specific schooling.
1: Yeah, we we. It's funny. People are always like, oh, "Okay," you're like, "No, no, no, no." It's the same as humans. Like <laughs> we have internships and, and fellowships and residencies, and yeah. if you specialize, it's the same. It's the same sort of track that you do for people. Huh. But yeah, so I, my outlet in that sort of crazy whirlwind of hyper stress became writing during that time. Got and so you. it wasn't until towards the end of my residency that I thought seriously about, "Hey, maybe I should do something with these books that I've been writing," and so. I think uh, The Girl from Shadow Springs is probably my second or third book that I really tried to get an agent for and then got my agent and then went on submission and uh, Simon Schuster bought it. So that was sort of everything in a little bit of a nutshell. But yeah, it's I wrote it for me and you can take, <laughs> I always joke, you can take what you want about a girl who's determined in a really harsh environment to succeed. <laughs> you can take what you want from that in the book in my life.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I love uh, that you're like, while I'm in the trenches of like frying your brain with knowledge, you're basically writing this book. <laughs> That's yeah, kind of amazing. Yeah. And if you,
1: if you ask me where I found the time, I cannot tell you. Wow.
0: Well, wow, and it's not even just the time. It's like the creative energy, too, because though it sounds like it was cathartic in a way, it wasn't mm-hmm. like draining as much as it almost filled you up because it fed a different part of your self.
1: Yeah, exactly. So I, I, you get to flex a different part of your muscle. You know, reading, reading has always been my outlet and writing became part of that whole, you know, it's es- not escape, but a whole ability to exist in another place at the same time without actually having to go anywhere.
0: Hmm. Yeah, I I get that. I mean, I'm, I'm very much a reader like that, too. I, I have a hard time with serious books, I guess. Not necessarily like, obviously, uh, books have serious elements to them. But like, I would rather read fantasy or something with a fantastical element than like the story where it's like, The twin sister was murdered when they were children and now she's having flashbacks and the cop comes and I'm like, Oh, that's heavy, I don't I don't know. You know, like I wanna escape and I wanna feel that freedom and like that joy of that. So I get kind of what you're saying that books I mean books that's I think that's who everyone who's listening to this probably yeah. agrees with us, you know what I mean, in some way. Because that's what books are a thing for a reason, you know?
1: <sighs> yeah. And I think I think what I love most about science fiction and fantasy and why it is my favorite, is that at its beating little heart, it's all about the condition. So philosophy and neuroscience, and it's all about how we as humans interact and what that means on bigger scales. And it's it's just this wonderful way to think about all these sort of heavy topics that we all deal with, but in a really sort of sleight of hand way, you know?
0: It almost makes it more palatable when it's like (laughs) through fire magic, instead of, (laughs) I don't know reality <laughs> or, or whatever, you know.
1: Well, you know, it's, it's, it's an angle into talking about heavier topics. If that's mm. not something that someone is you know, ready to talk about, but it is something to think about when you get in, you know, when you really get into the, the bigger, the bigger topics in science fiction and fantasy.
0: No, I, I totally agree with that. And I, I, I agree that they are a great tool for that too, because like I said, it helps you it still has that element of escapism, even if it's a heavier idea that you're delving into because of those fantastical parts. So yeah, totally. So with this story then, when it was kind of coming into being um, and you obviously you have, you know, the wasteland, like you said, this girl who's determined, but this Western feel, this barren wasteland, Western feel, why did you decide to go that route? Why was that something that was appealing to you? That
1: first line hasn't changed since the book. So that image of this girl standing over this body and her reaction to it, I just needed to know who she was. Hmm. So it was just this, this whole feeling, this whole vibe, and what kind of world would create a girl like that, and how, why and how, and it just sort of, it just sort of blossomed out of that image and that strength of that first image. Her voice was there. so. This is—it was a bit of a different experience for me for writing her. Normally, you, know, you think about your characters and you fight back and forth, but Jory mm. has always been Jory. Like I've never once in this book in any of the drafts, not known what she was going to say. Wow. <laughs> and that's—that's that's not the normal for me for writing. She just showed up. Huh.
0: She definitely has a very strong uh, compass of, of how she functions in the world. I can see that very strongly. So it's cool that like, she came into you that strongly too.
1: Yeah. And it's one of those things where it was just this, this picture of this girl standing in the middle of a wasteland and why in the world would she be unmoved, right? By what she's seeing, like, how Mm. does, how do you become that person? What kind of world shapes you? What do you, what, what needs are you getting from that place? And I think, one of the other things that I've always loved and is near and dear to my heart is just the wilderness. I love mm-hmm. the wild and nature. You know, and we're talking as much as you talk about magic and magic systems, all you have to do is go out your door to find the best one of all, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so, and 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 as, as stark as the landscape is, it's icy and barren, it's also so beautiful. There's so much beauty in that kind of world. Well, and there's
0: even a scene earlier on in the book with one of the other main characters where they're wandering and he's just kind of like, there's life all around us. And she's like cynically like, yeah, okay, dude. And he's like (laughs) smiling and just sort of like, and I I remember I I kept coming back. i actually read that and like kind of thought about that part a bit. And just obviously for reasons we will talk about, about their character differences, but (laughs) just, um, Yeah, I was like, what a, I mean, what a truth. And, but I was like, what an interesting thing to say when you were literally trekking through snow. And I mean, granted, I think they were in a forest at the time or like around trees or something, but it was still this idea of like, there's pretty much nothing around. And he's like, life is everywhere. And I was like, (laughs) but he's not wrong, you know, like he's not wrong. And even in that barrenness, there is a life, there is a, there is a beauty to that. And like a magic, like you said, for sure. (laughs) Um, yeah, I think the first line is something like eyes are the first thing to freeze. I remember, I think I was like, okay, cool. This is what the heck? Okay. I'm into this. What's going on? Yeah, but
1: yeah. The answer to what freezes first is the eyes is the first line. <laughs> yeah.
0: So I'm like, I remember that because that was interesting to me and it kind of was a little, okay. Maybe a little, I'm not squeamish necessarily, but I was like, all right, cool. That's kind of weird. Um, yeah. So it was it got me, it hooked me in <laughs> there you go, got me too, <laughs> oh, clearly, a yeah, hook. <laughs> <laughs> so the character I was just talking about, the kind of counter to our lead oh, girl, Jory, yeah. is Cody. He is this scholarly boy who has to venture to this northern wasteland to look for someone he's lost and or he's kind of trying to find someone who he's missing, and they end up having to work together. And I think this is my favorite thing about the story is their dichotomy. It is so much fun to read because everything about them is opposite in so many ways and it's really fun to see them interacting and finding common ground occasionally but like hearing how they see things differently is really interesting to read like I was just kind of writing I mean I don't want to say street smart because she's not like she's not in a town but like this that ends essence of street smart versus book smart that optimism versus pessimism hopeful versus hardened these are like the things I wrote down about what I've gotten from them initially and as I've continued to read and I would love for you to kind of take us through the creation of cody as her counterbalance especially because she came in so strong in your head and what that must have been like kind of creating these two opposing forces
1: yeah so when you think about jory when you think about a main character that's been her walls are so high so thick well they have to be
0: she wouldn't survive otherwise
1: yeah she has a soft little heart and so to protect herself she's become steel right she's encased herself but the only way for those walls to change is usually when you're that that far in is to break, and that's not what you want to do, right, with your character. Yes. But there are definitely ways in which other things can come in. So if you even if you think about the, the hardest keeps or the thickest walls light is going to come in somewhere there's going to be a crack it's going to find a way in Hmm. you know water all these things that exist to make us sustain us they will find their way in and that's kind of where Cody began is he began as this sort of He's also got a really soft heart, but he hasn't allowed the troubles and the circumstances of his life to harden him so badly, but because he, the two differences. So if, I think Cody and Jory are very much the same in their little centers. Yeah. But the difference is that Cody has been given the grace to grieve. Mm. So he's been given the opportunity mm-hmm. to mourn his family. Mm-hmm. He's been given the the chance to have a breathing room around him and not be worried. A
0: safe space. Yep.
1: Mm -hmm. Whereas Jory has never had that. She's had everything stripped away from her by such a young age. And so it's not that they're opposite so much as that they're, Their way in which they've been allowed to exist in the world has shaped them into very different external people.
0: Yeah. And it is. That's what I meant. I'm like, there's a common ground there in the way that they like the core of who they are. But that's what I mean. Like on the surface, just their dynamic is very opposite in how they approach the world. And just it's it's very interesting, uh, especially because we're in her head and so Mm -hmm. like seeing her observing him and being like who is this dude like you know (laughs) like it's he really like kind of like oh my god did he really just say that this dude's gonna die his his ass is gonna be frozen in the wilderness and I have to deal with him like that's literally what I was like she was thinking right now you know but he's just like you know but you're right he's emotional and he's perhaps a little naive in her mind but yeah you're right he's had a safe you know and it's just like like you said she hasn't had the chance to not be hardened. The only option was to be hardened or to die. And mm-hmm. so she's had to create this strength that has shaped her. And, and it's a really interesting thing to read about too, because for her, it's now the norm in a sense, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like she said, Oh, I don't even allow myself to think those things. Like every time family comes up, eventually it slowly starts to crack, but you know, she keeps pushing things down. Cause she's like, I can't, I can't deal with this. And there's, what's the point I've got to do this now. And mm-hmm. so hearing or seeing the, the dynamic between them, which is, they meet pretty quick too in the book. I think they're within a, like the first couple chapters, they're already kind of having to deal with each other. Um, and mm-hmm. so it's just kind of seeing them evolve throughout the story has been very cool.
1: Yeah. And it, it is, it is really interesting. I really like one of my favorite tropes, like when we talk, just talk about in general is the like hard... Survival girl. Right. And then the soft, squishy cinnamon roll of a boy. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Like that is that is my jam. I love because I was never that soft girl. So even in when I was in high school, I had I knew what I wanted to do with my life. I knew what I needed to do to get there and I set my road and I was never like sure you know we had we had all these things but I was never that teenager with angst that was never me hmm. which is always really funny because when you talk about YA often we're talking about the yearning and the angst yeah. which is real because <laughs> you know that's sort of what everyone thinks about uh, emotion
0: or about turmoils it. of teenage years because your hormones yeah. and you're figuring life out and all of that combination of all that yep
1: Yeah, and I always had that, but I was also the person who was like, great, high school graduation's done, let's go, college, you know, bye guys, see you later.
0: (laughs) Whereas people are like, high school was the best time of my life, like prom is everything, and yeah, you're like, bye.
1: (laughs) Yeah, and and I I just never really, like, I just never really saw that, everyone is always like, oh, okay, you know. And they spend 10 hours waxing poetically about something. What I've always I was the girl, okay, this is maybe a little too much information. I was the girl in high school that set my own curfew so I wouldn't worry my parents.
0: I mean, they're probably <laughs> appreciative of that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but yeah, I've always been very focused. And I think that's a little bit probably what I share with with my main character, that little piece of me, you know, that I put in the mm-hmm. book is that idea that you you can be, you can be hyper focused. But also, you need to be strong. It's not just, strength is not just walls, right? Cody is just as strong as Jory. Yes. Or stronger maybe, but she has, and that's what she has to come to see in the book. Yeah, because
0: even though at at, at meeting and, and as they're, cause you know, we also have to keep in mind, and this is where, she's her learning curve is she's meeting him on her territory which is Mm -hmm. completely and utterly alien to him you have the world divided in like the north and the south and like the north has become a frozen wasteland and the south is where is basically has didn't freeze and I guess when things were happening the north asked the people in the south for help and they wouldn't help them so from the north's point of view the south is warm and bougie and rich and soft and he's from the south so she's just like already kind of disregards him just by association of what she knows of that area, you know, and and again, there is some truth to that. Like, yeah, he's never had to traverse a frozen wasteland. Like, yeah, like he wouldn't know like she would, but.
1: But yeah, so for Jory, for Jory, making those snap decisions about people and about places and things and decision is what literally kept her alive. Mm hmm. And, but, your, but Cody's but have the ability he gets to learn things she never gets to learn things it's do it right or be done Yeah, you know where so so I, I really like that too where it would be it'd be opportunities for her to be like you don't know how to do this are you kidding and he'd be like I've never been here before yeah exactly <laughs> like
0: I like also part of the wall thing I like how emotionally visual he is like He, even if he tries to hide his emotions, it's like he can't from her, like she can see the hurt or the joy or, and whereas she's just, you know, again, it's one of those things like, wow, he's so emotive, which, you know, gives insight as well. But just, yeah, like this vulnerableness in, in that, which is kind of cool to read.
1: Yeah. And I think it's also, it's also really playing off. And I think that maybe not everyone would look at Cody and see those same things, but Jory, for all that she doesn't react she notices all the little details, again, because mm-hmm. that's what's kept her alive. And yeah. so she notices little changes in people that other people might not see, but she just goes, OK, great. File that away for useful later. Mm-hmm. She doesn't give herself the opportunity to process anything she's seen, but she's hyper observant of everything.
0: Because it might save her life.
1: Right. Right. Exactly.
0: Yeah. One of the things I really also love about this story is obviously they, there is a mission about saving a person but it's like a quest book too. It's like the idea of like lost treasure and lost cities and hidden treasures and secrets. And, um, how much fun was that kind of creating and shaping the story that way?
1: The the journey part, I guess. Yeah. It's, it's funny. I think I, I think of it more of a hero's journey. Yeah, definitely. There's definitely an element of, I don't know if it's so much of a, of a quest, but when I, after I finished writing the first thing I thought of, and I, I it took me forever to realize, was that, yes, she's going after her sister. I mean, that's the goal, right? She needs to rescue her sister. Yeah. But it's not just her sister she's fighting for, right? She's fighting for that last shred of goodness or light in her life. Mm-hmm. That's what she's chasing after. And so it is, in a way, its own treasure, right, is that sense that if she doesn't get her sister back, what does she have to hope for? You know, her sister is all that's good. She's all that Jory has protected. Yes, she's become hard so her sister doesn't have to. She's, you know, done all this stuff. And so when she's going after her sister, it's that deep love, that deep bond, that need to protect the goodness, whatever small the goodness is in your life. And so it definitely is a quest in a sense that, you know, she's going on a journey and there are yeah. obstacles.
0: No, that's what I mean. Sure. That's like the yeah. quest to get her sister back. It's still the traversing and the going and the having to get from A to B and deal with those challenges. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And, and I really liked the idea of – rather than all the challenges simply being oh and they get to this this place and there's a person and they have to deal with them like mm-hmm. what if instead of people like you were saying the character is the environment mm-hmm. so what if the biggest threat to the world is the physical environment they're in and that ties that ties down to the myth of where the ice and the snow, and the cold even comes from. And so I like to think of it as radiating out slowly, you know, year by year, like the rings of a tree. Yep. So at its center is what she's going for. And it gets, the closer she gets, the tighter those rings become. And so this, the colder, the tighter, the faster, the harder it comes as she goes forward, and so it was p- pulling her forward as she's going into these mm. older and older and older layers of magic.
0: It's very interesting to read, like cause like I said, you know, there, there, there's so much character stuff here, but it really is its own being. Like it really becomes this because it's it's present the entire book, you know, and it's the strong presence. It's like as strong of a presence as Jory herself, so.
1: Yeah. Yeah, And if if you look and if you, if you read it, I tried my best, (laughs) but if you read it, there are, there are little, little hints of things that tie into bigger pieces. So things that may seem disconnected or disparate actually are little echoes. So it's, you know, Mm. when you, when you toss that, when you toss that rock out onto a pond, it starts small, but each, each ring is related to the ring before it. So there are little echo backs. To things that happen later on, hopefully,
0: <laughs> <might have> been- <laughs> I'm like sitting here going like, okay, cool. Like, well, and again, I'm not, I'm not totally done yet. I'll be really interested to see when I finish them. I'm like, okay, hmm, you know, yeah, yeah. It is. It's just been, I don't know. I just think about books with journeys are fascinating to me because there's such an emotional parallel that happens with those, and mm-hmm. seeing the evolution of the characters as they're going on the physical journey is always is was very enjoyable to kind of experience, I guess, because yeah, it's also like, again, from the start on the surface, these people who wouldn't have anything to do with each other are having to deal with each other. And also this other stuff that's they're encountering and how do they proceed? And yeah, I don't know. It's been, um, <laughs> it, it's been very fun to kind of see how the story is playing out.
1: Yeah. Well, good. And I think, I think, I think also something else that I like to play with the idea of in this book is I tried, so there's no chosen one per se. It's not like Jory is not the farm girl that's, yeah. you know, <laughs> picked out of, picked out of the farm. If anyone, <laughs> if anyone is a chosen one, it's some, it's a, it's a failed chosen one who's another character in the book. And that they interact. So she runs into the person who's supposed to save everyone. Spoilers. <laughs> so it's like, what if the, you know, what if the chosen one isn't able to fulfill what they were supposed to do, you know? So, and you have this girl who just wants her sister. <laughs> how, you know, how, and they're caught up, just caught up in it. The rest, the way everything else in the world is caught up in that snow and ice.
0: Hmm. Yeah, it is interesting to think about. I'm like sitting here pondering now. (laughs) Are you working on new stuff with your writing? Are you continuing to write? You were saying to me before we started recording, because we were saying, oh, are we going to talk about the vet stuff? And you were like, well, I haven't really done a whole lot with COVID. So technically, I guess I'm a writer now. Like, I don't know. (laughs) So I'm assuming you are continuing to write.
1: Yeah, yeah. So I I don't have anything on the official schedule anywhere. but I definitely have a couple other manuscripts that'm I'm, I'm working on. One is a, is a somewhat big departure from this in tone, but it is involved the sea. So I guess it's more nature. <laughs> more nature and uh, more magical, more nature. And mm-hmm. then and then and in my head, there always has been the seed of a story that is Cody's. So I don't know. There's nothing, you know, planned to do with that. But in my head, I have his little, his little warm southern story sort of sprouting away. Hmm.
0: That could be a fun to kind of get it from his from his voice and his tale, or however you kind of evolve it. That would be kind of cool.
1: How did Cody end up where he? Yeah. You Absolutely, mhm, yeah, huh, so yeah. <laughs> I've always pictured the the southern the Southern is not described obviously in the book because they don't go there, but where he's from, it's the sort of lush verdant, like if you took if you took Oxford and moved it into a mangrove forest, oh my God, that sounds awesome. <laughs> that's where Cody's from, and so he's these big, beautiful sandstone. Old architecture, but intermixed with tropical heat yeah. and magic that's bubbling below the surface, and like hatcheries with fish and yeah. all that stuff. So that's that's where he's from. I always thought that was an interesting. And it'd be an interesting part of the world to visit if I ever get lucky enough to write in that world again. That's sort of where I would love to go.
0: Well, and I was also thinking, like, not that this would necessarily be the case, but wouldn't it be interesting if you treated the world like another character in a sense again? And like, like, but it's the polar opposite character again because it's not frozen wasteland; it's lush, you know, greenery. Um, not that it would be deadly per se, but I don't know. There's like you said, there's such a different feel to the world that would be really interesting to read in in um, with a character that we've already have established.
1: Yeah, I feel like Australia is pretty deadly.
0: (laughs) Yeah, you're. In all fairness, you're absolutely right. They have some scary animals there. Like everything tries to kill you, except koalas, and they're just cute. And I think they're kind of crabby. I've heard too. Yeah,
1: they're kind of. Yeah, they're yeah. They're very they're very um sleepy and kind of smelly, but they're cute. (laughs) Like emus
0: can kill you like kangaroos can kick and kill you and like everything everything the spiders are gigantic Everything's yeah i get it so it's like the mangrove version of australia with oxford and it's cody's story that all sounds awesome (laughs) so maybe we'll get to see that someday
1: yeah if you want to see it you want to see a scary bird look up
0: cassowaries oh yeah no uh (laughs) for those of you who don't know they basically look like living dinosaurs and they are like, even people who are trained bird keepers, because that's what I used to do for a living, are oh, yeah. scared of cassowaries. Like, they're, yeah. you do not mess with those suckers. They're kind of smaller than emus and definitely smaller than ostriches, but they are like terrifying.
1: They're aggressive too. They're yes. like they don't take anything from people. No, no,
0: no. <laughs> yeah, they're they're I think I've only ever seen one or two in person like in a zoo and I was like, dude, you're you're going to try to you're looking at me like you want to kill me. Like literally. I'm sure I was just anthropomorphizing onto the animal, but I was just like, you are scary. So, yes. <laughs> I get what you're saying. It's really funny. Well, I'm glad that you're working on other things. It's good to, you know, this year has been odd for people, especially I think like creative energy. I I felt it on my end like especially cuz it's like it's not a Essential. I'm not essential because I'm an artist, but then it's like, well, art is essential because it's helping keep us sane. And so, trying to like create and find that energy in a in a very odd year has been a, of an interesting balance. So it's good that you're you're still able to kind of keep moving forward with with your writing.
1: Yeah, definitely. And I think you know, art is always an expression of of everything. You know, it's it's a sponge, right? It's you take in mm. the world around you, you, take in yourself, and you put something back out. And so it's always going to be an interesting time. Um, to see what comes out of these last couple of years I hope amazing things
0: yeah I agree I feel like you know people especially going into this year 2021 people have kind of I don't want to say have a new normal but it's sort of like okay the shock of travesty of this year even though it's still horrible we're able to find a way of moving forward and creating and and moving in the world as it is now
1: and it's it is again it's it goes back to you know people being allowed to have that space to breathe you have to be able to breathe and that's you you know if you can't breathe you get you get jory who's not going to create a piece of art (laughs) you know so you have to give people the the space and the grace to process and then give us something that means and is reflective Mm. of what we've all lived through yeah
0: yeah that's very true Before we go, I always like to ask the authors I have on if they've read anything good recently. I don't know if you are reading while you're writing. Some do, some don't. But is there anything that you would recommend in the past little while that you've read that you think
1: our listeners would enjoy? Well, I've late to the party, but Jade City by Fonda Lee. That's what I've just started. And it is the world building in her in that book is phenomenal. And the characters. It's just a wonderful, wonderful book. I've also started Black Sun by Rebecca Roanhorse, mm. which, again, amazing. <laughs> I read her other series. I think I started Jade City too. I have it.
0: I think I had to put it down because I was doing an interview. That's is that the one with the Mayan and the trunk and like the magic, the Questy stuff?
1: Is that the one I'm thinking the, of? Jade City is the one. It's set. It's got like the Godfather, like but set in a mythical Asian influenced society. No, I have Jade City too because I have the cover. It's, like I can see it. That's why I was thinking.
0: Yeah, Rebecca Horse. I actually just, well, not just, but I read her other books, her Trail of Lightning series, and I really mm-hmm. liked them a lot. So I'm looking forward to reading her
1: new one as well. Yeah, and the cover, oh my gosh, the cover of that book alone. <laughs> the Black Sun cover, it just makes you want to pick it up and oh, wow. hold it.
0: <laughs> yeah, it is really pretty. Those are great recommendations. Yeah, I. it's always good to hear what people are connecting with and kind of what they're feeling in the moment, you know what I mean?
1: Yeah. I tend to, I tend to read when I'm drafting, I tend to read nonfiction. That's just my brain needs, my brain needs a, a, a break from, you know, try, I don't want to be in, everyone says you don't want to be influenced by other people's voices, but it's not quite that it's just more of, it's a door into another, another space and you get stuck looking in it if you're not careful. Mm. And so, and so I like to just have my doors that I'm looking into be pieces of inspiration, not pieces of some, um, someone else's inspiration. Right. So so I like, I really like nonfiction, but most of my nonfiction recs are not going to be exciting because they're medical related. <laughs> no, but that's a, read. That's, a really good, read <laughs> that's a really
0: good, that's a really good metaphor for like how that works. Cause I, I I'm with you with that. That's hundred percent. Like the door is open. You only want to be bringing in what is going to feed the, what's in your door. That's cracked. You don't need to be, mm-hmm. cause you're right. It's, it's, it's like the. Like the the new penny syndrome, like, oh, it's over here, and your head's stuck in this door looking over here when you should be back here. And you're like, oh. So, yeah, I, I, that's actually really a really good example, analogy.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. No, it's it's how I feel. And I was like, oh, it's so shiny. I'm just going to wander in here for a while. And I'm like, no, 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 no. <laughs>
0: Focus on my book. No, that that makes a lot of sense, and I mean, but well, that's what I mean, and and that's why when I ask authors, I'm like, look, if you haven't, some of them are like, I haven't read in a year. I'm like, it's okay. Like, I know when your people are drafting or in the trenches that it sometimes is hard to ingest other work, but it sounds like you have
1: had a couple good ones. Yeah, and and I always say if you're having if I, whenever I get in sort of a reading rut or I get stuck and I'm just sort of overwhelmed and there's it's really hard to get invested in, in a book I know I like. I just can't get invested is I always go what haven't I read in a long time that's really different so if I can't get myself invested into a really thick like Brandon Sanderson or something some big thick fantasy novel I'll be like all right um I'm gonna go read some Nikita Gill or some Emily Dickinson Mm. or I'm gonna go read old fairy tales something where the where the vibration and the pattern of the words is different
0: I love that
1: and you can and that'll often break My my, break that stump is if you get you get lost in just sort of the cadence on the page sometimes you find yourself getting back into reading and finding why you loved it Mm, i am like really into that that it makes a
0: lot of sense i i tend to shake it up by revisiting books i've loved Mm. because i don't have if i'm like not reading because i don't have the emotional wherewithal to, to invest in the story that is new. A, a story I'm familiar with, I only have to be like half present, but it's still like a warm hug. So that's mm-hmm. usually what I do. But I like the idea of what you're saying because that is the truth. It's It feels it's like fresh, like a palate cleanser in a different way. And I like what you're saying about like, like literary frequencies of, of writing that makes, yeah, that makes a lot of sense to me, actually. <laughs> so yeah. I I really like that. No, that was great. I'm glad we could kind of talk about your book today. Uh, just a little bit. I, you know, I didn't want to get too detailed, um, just for those listening who maybe haven't read it or are just curious about it. But I, I think, you know, again, those of you listening, if, you, if you're interested, it really... I you know I read a lot as you know but I have not put this book down. I had to stop to, like I was working and I had a, a crisis in another project, so I wasn't able to get as much read. So I literally have it on my phone, and I'm like, while I'm stirring my dinner, I was reading it. And like I'm like I said, literally I was shoveling like my breakfast in before this interview while I was reading it. Like it is such an easy book to read. The story is really captivating. It propels forward. The characters are great, and you know I think we kind of give you a little bit of teaser of, of what you can expect in this story. And yeah, I really hope you check it out. And Ellie, I'm just really glad we got to talk a little bit today.
1: Yeah, I'm too. This has been really great. It's been really fun. It's it's I'm always excited to talk shop about writing. (laughs) It's so wonderful.
0: Wow. And especially, you know, when you have a story coming out, especially like yours has a new a feel that isn't as common right now, which is in a good way, like you don't see a lot of like, Western kind of feels. I mean, I've seen them. They're around, obviously. It's nothing, you know, but but it's not like it's a vampire book or whatever. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's fun to kind of talk different ideas and different energy creatively with like how your stories came to be. So I always enjoy kind of talking with authors who have these fresh kind of cool ideas.
1: Yeah. And I think, I think it's also, it's an interesting thing for a debut to have the book be so itself Mm. which it's kind of good and bad because some people will some people if you don't if you don't connect it's going to be real i feel like it's going to be really polarizing in some ways because if you don't connect then you're just going to see exactly what you were talking about there's a quest and a a sister and but if you if you sink down into it if you let the voice happen and if you listen it's going to be something very different than just the the bones on which you are are you know trying to build a world
0: I connected very quickly with the voice in the story and like the the deeper meat, I guess I would say. I mean, I'm not saying I get all of your secrets, but <laughs> <laughs> you know, that sounded a little weird, but you know what I mean? Like I was reading it because it sounded interesting and I knew I was interviewing you, but then I I, I yeah. had to keep reading because I was connected and I wanted to know more. So I think if people who are on the fence give it a chance, they're going to love it. I really do. Oh, thank you, Lauren. Okay, guys, thanks for listening. Uh, we will be back next week with a new episode. Be sure to check out the sponsors from this episode. And also, if you want to support us, buy me a coffee over on Patreon. It's the Ink Feather Books over on Patreon. That would be awesome. Uh, but for now, this is Lauren and Ellie signing out. Bye. Bye. <laughs>